0: Welcome to the Africa Tech Summit podcast, sharing insights from across the African tech scene. Today's episode is part of our Africa Climate Tech Summit series, which is kindly supported by Mercy Core Ventures and Pure Carbon in partnership with the 6th D. Stay tuned for great insights and a discount code to join us at the Africa Climate Tech Summit in Nairobi.
1: My name is Boko Nyundo, founder of the 6th D. And today's episode, we're exploring climate funding in Africa with Hital Patel and Tofen Karma at Most Call cool Ventures. Well, Tofen, Hital, welcome. Thanks, Kaboko. Thanks, Thanks for welcome.
2: having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: Great stuff. Well, good to see you both. And um, uh, I, I, th- I think uh, firstly, for our listener, would it be possible to ask one of you and you, you know, either of you uh, take up the mantle first to introduce yourselves and give us a little bit of context for Mercy Corps Ventures and a little bit of context for your your role at the company and perhaps just a brief uh, insight into your professional backgrounds. Who, who'd like to go first with with that?
2: Sure, I'll go. Um, thanks, Boko. So yeah, my name is Patel, Director of Investments with Mercy Corps Ventures. Mercy Corps Ventures is an early stage impact investor focused primarily on the continent uh, with the three thematic areas, adaptive agriculture and food systems, inclusive fintech and climate smart technologies. Uh, we're very much focused on the increasingly severe and frequent disruptions. And so we're really in, in, investing in startups that build resilience in communities and emerging markets with a focus on climate and financial resilience.
1: Thank you, Tal. And Tofen?
2: Yeah, my name is Tofen, Tofen Kama. Um, I'm the
3: principal investor uh, for West Africa for Mexico. My background is more global executive in various areas, uh, especially telecom. Um, transportation uh, payments. And I also am uh, um, twice a founder before moving to become an investor for Mexico.
2: Oh, fantastic. My background is slightly different than Tofen's. Not necessarily a founder, but I have been an operator of several social enterprises in the global south. Uh, And then before that a management consultant uh, in finance in New York. Um, And then yeah, now uh, combining all of that to be working in impact investing
1: fantastic well thank you that, that, that's uh, we're talking to two seasoned practitioners so looking forward to this conversation to start with set the scene for for africa and and how from a climate tech perspective it's expected to bear the brunt of the challenges that global climate change is, is set to present or is arguably already presenting
2: yeah um yeah i think uh, as i as i kind of alluded to it earlier um, we, we are definitely focused on the challenges on the continent um, and how the climate risks are magnifying what was already challenges for, especially the bottom three, four quintile, the ones who have maybe are the most vulnerable, the least resources in terms of services and products. Um, and so that means the least ability to, to adapt to shocks. And so our, our focus has been as an investor, but also i think practitioners and, and and interest and curiosity is where do those adaptation tools come in what are what are the things that we can unlock as an investor ourselves but as an industry with people who have different roles and different stakeholder uh, uh, levers to think about like a where do where do we increase the ability for people to have uh, access to adaptation in terms of products services or other means yeah i, th- I think that
3: uh, africa is really as we said facing most of the negative impact of climate change. As an investor, uh, we are also witnessing most of those uh, impact and, and, and negative consequences on the ground. I think also that Africa is also sometimes quite fortunate, if you can say so, Even the population is quite young. Uh, they're all digitally native. And I think that technology is always here. You can leverage it to make adaptation much more, uh, much more sustainable and easy. So technology is our magic, if I can say so. It's our weapon for us Africans to try to sustain and, and, and adapt to the already existing climate change.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I understand from some test research that 20 of the countries most vulnerable to climate change, 16 of them are in Africa. And so as you seek to use that magic in order to build solutions that will drive that resilience you know you are on the ground you know in senegal in kenya and and you're seeing the challenges that climate change presents to often quite uh, disenfranchised communities and so it's a real calling to be able to apply that sort of innovation to address the challenges that people are facing in and over the course of this conversation we're going to be um exploring that in more depth so looking at the climate tech investment landscape in africa at the moment Give us a little bit of context um, as to who the major funding players are.
2: Sure. I think major players include national governments who are funding locally, regionally, and worldwide. We have international development agencies and DFIs. And we'll have private sector capital that's been coming in. And then adaptation and mitigation is funded through a combination of grants, DFIs, and national budgets. Um, And so existing levels are quite insufficient. I think AFD forecasts an annual gap of... uh, 100 to 127 billion uh, between 2020 and 2030. Um, and so really trying to understand where's the combination of policy and capital alignment to be really efficient in, in, in deploying this, uh, in deploying the capital we have and then bringing in additional capital.
3: Yeah, maybe just adding to that, that there is one part that is funded uh, by funds, uh, uh, especially us and, and, and especially in the private sector. On the other side, on more on the ground project, we also see a lot of brands which are also trying to contribute to um, climate adaptation in the form of uh, insetting or or buying offsets, which also come down to the overall capital allocated to to climate change. So brands like uh, Nestle, Unilever, Mars, are basically committing a certain amount of funds, 1 billion for Nestle, I think it's a billion for Unilever, That's also coming down to the overall uh, uh, like capital being deployed to mitigate um, uh, climate change.
1: Interesting. Interesting. It's been fascinating having these conversations with entrepreneurs and investors and how different types of capital play different roles in supporting entrepreneurs to scale um, with folk talking in different uh, contexts as to how the grant funding has supported very early stage innovation to sort of validate uh, products and services, or patient capital being really valuable and almost foundational in helping uh, the business to re- really build some rigor um, uh, around its offering and then uh, at a slightly later stage, having vCs and private equity come into the uh, come into play and and driving if you like, a more aggressive sense of commercial um, intent. Uh, around driving that traction and make, making sure you're returning some degree of profitability over a given time frame. Um, and, 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 and uh, uh, other players contributing in, in lots of different ways. But I think I've had a couple of, uh, invest, uh, entrepreneurs talk about the value of direct, um, uh, injection of capital from capital owners. So whether that's corporates or high net worth individuals and, and how that's helped them, um, uh, deliver, a certain robustness of uh, 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 of operation so uh, I, I i think uh, uh, in africa one of the things uh, I, I was keen to appreciate more was the role of national governments and how they can help crowd in uh, a degree of capital um but also the dfis uh, and and venture arms like yours um coming in to 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 really better appreciate what's going on on the ground and the need if you like um uh, for that capital to to be deployed but any 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 further thoughts off the back of that
2: um yeah so i have been in a f- several conversations in the last month Uh, A a roundtable with investors, the government, et cetera, and and a few conversations just in the last week. And one of the things that keeps coming up is the data infrastructure layer at the last two miles, especially if we're talking about climate and agriculture, uh, or the lack of data infrastructure layer at the last two miles, and how it's become quite a barrier for the innovators, the entrepreneurs, and the type of business models they're designing, um, and I think when you mentioned, uh, roles that different people could play, uh, I actually think that this is one step away from unlocking a lot more capital is really can governments or other partners that are larger foundations take on an enabling role in, in trying to find a way that data that's sitting in different silos, plus the gaps are starting to be filled, potentially using the resources at the last two miles, the youth um, really, you know, energizing them about climate, that they're they're actually contributing to creating mapping and other, other resources that start plugging that data infrastructure layer. Now, of course, we'll have to then have conversations around privacy, uh, usage, sharing, uh, uh, people protecting each other's IP, but I think it's a conversation that needs to start having to happen. Um, it you know, is in parallel with if you're going to have a farmer registry, if you're going to have a national ID. But one of these three things, I think moving quicker will unlock a lot more capital because then we'll start seeing models being able to have a lot more traction and scale much quicker, which is then the second piece is which, okay, how do VCs, PEs, and, and other MFIs or SME investors start crowding in their capital and really deploying much quicker?
1: Interesting, interesting. And it, and it really is an ecosystem conversation because um, th- there's, in, in a sense, a little bit of uh, benefit for everyone, um, but it, it needs all of the players to get round the table, uh, literally. Sorry, Tofan, you were you going to add something there?
3: Yeah, I, I think that governments play really a significant role in that, like funding or at least setting up uh, the policy for um, that initial infrastructure that we need. Um, things like cold chains, some governments are really taking a lead on that. Um, here in Senegal, we have, a, we have a fund dedicated to tech called LADER, um, which is operating almost like as a sovereign fund. Um, this, in the same week, we are seeing also uh, other two or three countries trying to set up uh, similar funds uh, that are going to be dedicated to entrepreneurship, infrastructure, uh, well, soft infrastructure, I think that yeah, this is really, uh, as Hethel said, uh, one step away from unlocking more investment. Because, as data infrastructure and some of those policies are in place, um, it makes the environment just much more welcoming for 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 funds, and obviously, it will generate more startups tackling these climate issues
1: in terms of unlocking that capital and looking at that last mile and interventions that can help support the system to cover the funding gap that the that, that Hetal mentioned earlier if we go and look at sector specific plays um it where, where do you as Mercy Call Ventures see se- sector specific opportunity? I appreciate in your thesis you've got a particular focus on it seems to me you know food uh, fintech and, and climate but give us a sense of um, if you like where you're seeing real opportunity perhaps very locally in Kenya for Hitel and very locally in Senegal uh, from a sector perspective
3: the, the way the way we really see climate here if I really take more like a ground like a ground, um, looking from my radar, there is a different conversation when it comes to climate, when you ask entrepreneurs. And remember, entrepreneurship is essentially what people obsess about. If you go to Nigeria, Nigerians are building startup based on what they really seems to be like an urgent issue to them, which might be slightly different from Kenya or Senegal or so on. Uh, But overall in Africa, um, entrepreneurs are basically not looking directly in climate per se, they are looking at some of these sectors, uh, what new technologies um, can allow basically to unlock for them uh, to resolve some of these issues. And climate almost sometimes come as a, as a consequence. For example, if I take energy, energy is already a major issue for many countries. So people are looking at these solar and in, in batteries and smart uh, vehicles as a way to resolve issues which have also additional uh, climate consequences. Uh, It's the same for food production. People are not just looking for climate per se or regenerative ag per se. They are looking at producing better in a more efficient way and they are using technology for that, at least entrepreneurs. And that has also uh, uh, climate consequences. If you can combine, for example, integrate producing food with uh, uh, nature conservation, uh, you get something really interesting. Uh, Same for when brands are trying to... uh, incentivize farmers, uh, basically all of the different pieces that we have, um, either in FinTech, uh, either in climate or, 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 or food production, all these things are really combined uh, to resolve issues on the ground. And then you have positive uh, consequences for, for, for climate. I think it's an important view. Somebody was telling us last time that for us, we need, need solutions that are saving us money or uh, getting us more development. Uh, while at the same time saving the planet. So it's a very interesting um, kind of viewpoint. I'm sure that Hetal also sees this almost the same thing. But in terms of sectorial, uh, critical sectors are also those who are really people are obsessing about. It comes down to energy, food production, and obviously access to, to financial services, which are basically uh, catalyzing all those two, three
1: sectors.
2: Yeah. What's well, say so you, Hetal? Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think one of the sayings I would loved, I, I forgot where I heard it, so unfortunately I can't give credit to it, is like at a certain point, you have to be able to have solutions that take the people and the planet alone. Exactly. Uh, if, if it's just mitigation, it's not going to work for a lot of communities in the global south, because in the end, they're also dealing with a, a variety of other challenges that are much more immediate, i.e. food on the table, uh, clean energy, uh, health, and a bunch of other things, right? So when we talk resilience, we're looking at In any of these subsectors, it has to be solutions that are really solving an immediate issue. Uh, And a lot of times it is income or income-related resilience. And it's, you know, the entrepreneurs, the innovators are now thinking about, okay, how can I solve this uh, with a climate lens? Because then my solution, my business model is a lot more sustainable. It's, It's going to be able to survive the climate shocks, and it's going to incorporate what may be risks in the future. Uh, But the end consumer is really thinking about what is a product or service that comes to me that is affordable and and ease of use. Now, in subsectors, you know, as you said, in in East Africa, there's a range of items happening, even in the food systems or other areas that you're looking at deeper tech around MRV and really monitoring and being able to validate out of a cost effective way what is happening at the last mile, half mile You know, down to meters, let's say. And part of that is trying to decrease the cost of bringing different uh, services, including uh, paramedic insurance, uh, inputs, uh, uh, loans, financing, irrigation financing. There's a range of things that can come to the smaller farmer in the in the food system that now maybe don't have to be done at the production level, which is quite costly. So I think we're looking at we're seeing at the subsector level. We're looking at you know deep tech and precision agriculture, soil, um, smart irrigation that's sensorless, um, and then at, at more of a let's say. Uh, middle food systems level, we're seeing uh, circular economy items, uh, being able to say, and, and looking at business models that are going to take all all produce, not just grade A. So the rescue produce, um, being able to then really find a way that that's productive, um, which then goes to you know lower water usage, higher incomes. So people are incorporating these solutions that are a climate angle into their business model or their early stage model. Uh, but they're definitely focused on what will be something that people need and we're willing to pay for, in a sense?
1: But with Mercy Corps Ventures, you're, you're a global organization operating not just in Africa, but in Southeast Asia, in Latin America. But you also, you're also bringing capital from lots of different parts of the world for deployment, in this case, into Africa. And so you're also having to be conscious about an international audience that might be becoming a lot more conscious about the environment and making buying decisions based on the brand's reputation, you know, you mentioned Unilever, you mentioned Nestle, actually picking goods off the shelf based on their credibility as far as the care for the environment is concerned, but equally uh, you're keen to deploy technology that will help the smallholder farmer or the you know, grandma or 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 dad or son or daughter um in a very rural village in in africa um to lead a healthier life uh, to lead a more productive life to generate more income uh, that they can then sustain their lives through um so you you're almost having to 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 be the bridge um, that connects all of those stakeholders together, um, and so you know you're you, you having to wrestle with you know lots of different perspectives on almost the same issue. Um, but it, it it must lead to lots of interesting strategic conversations. At
2: your end, <laughs> <laughs> it 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 it, do, it, it does. Um, I think. Uh, that's one of the uh, my favorite parts of the job in working with super ventures is we, we do get different perspectives from different stakeholders, different funders and capital providers, uh, and then where we're deploying people whose voices we need to listen to to think about what solutions will work, right? Because if we don't do that, then that then we're we're probably not going to be successful at our jobs. Um, but I think you know we do find a lot of alignment. Um, and, I, and I think Tofen will pick up maybe on some of the insetting items is we do find a lot of alignment because there are brands and regulations especially the EU regulatory frameworks that are moving towards the same type of solutions we were just talking about, about you know two minutes ago in terms of people looking for things that work for for that consumer and their community and the climate um, and then you know I think another example is like I'm looking at a pipeline company now that's really looking at uh, inputs to uh, CPG companies, uh, uh, but it's really actually inputs that are coming from forest and agroforestry, uh, and then they're looking for cleaner supply chains. And so that fits where you can get a higher premium for the community, uh, and you'll have now a cleaner cleaner supply chain and, and a, in many ways an insetting calculator. And so there are overlaps and, and, and where we find a good amount of Venn diagram, and that's where we really look at fits our fund. So I think it is interesting strategic conversations when we're thinking about our thesis or pipeline prioritization. Uh, and, and, and you know. Um, but I think we also uh, are, are lucky enough that we do find a lot of overlap and great entrepreneurs and innovators who are trying to build in these areas. So it makes it easier to make sure that we have a strong pipeline to, to really deploy that capital and do the work.
1: Interesting, interesting. Those conversations happen within your processes at Mercy Corps Ventures. And my next question is really to just to unlock... Um, uh, insight from you on behalf of the listener. as to how you actually work at Mercy Corps Ventures. And so really looking at your um, platform capabilities, looking at your, the pre-investment support and post-investment support you might provide an, an, an entrepreneur. Give us a sense of the process. For example, if Boko were an entrepreneur operating in, you know, I'm from Kisumu in Western Kenya uh, near the Ugandan border. I've invented a new, new, new piece of kit which is going to change the world. And I present my new piece of kit and the business case behind it to you. Um, how do you support me, not just with capital, but with technical assistance to allow my new kit to scale and uh, make me rich? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll kick it off, but I'm going to let Tofen also bring to in because there's a lot of... First, I think the, what we're really uh, grateful for, I think, is that we have a, a variety of different skill sets on the team and interest areas. And as Tofen alluded earlier, he's a Two-time founder, really product-focused, really great skill set. So we can bring different angles to Boco as we're even going through our pipeline conversations, and as we're doing DD, and as we're, you know, we that initial introduction, we're quite uh, open and direct about if it fits our mandate. Because the last thing you want to do is is uh, be inefficient with your time. Because it's already hard to be early-stage founder, um, and then we're really looking at if it fits our mandate. What are we looking at in terms of does it fit the consumer that we want to support in terms of impact? And then will it have commercial scale viability? Um, and that's the, our really DD process. Inside the conversation on the team, we have different angles. And yes, we do have the ability to do pre-investment support through our, you know, post-investment or I'll say our Mercy Corps platform, which is really a wrap around the capital. So it's a way to really support the entrepreneur before or after the investments. We have some standard programs or products that that platform will do, whether it's finance systems. Consumer insights is really my, my favorite. We really can help Boco get into figuring out, okay, what are the real insights, consumer behavior around uh, the product you're building and that, that end client. Um, but I, and I'm going to hand off to Tofen to take, talk a little bit about our other vehicle. The Pilots also has a big lift and can really engage from a product and other testing real-world use cases area.
3: Yeah, I think that building a company is already difficult. As you said, broker would really, um, especially at an early stage, there is so much um, going on, um, so much moving parts. So what we are trying to do on top of just providing capital is trying to understand, um, for example, the ecosystem you are are building it on, what you need. Um, We can do that early on before even investing, uh, but it's better, obviously, when we invest first. In certain cases, as Hetel said, uh, you might be actually building something that is really, really true new tech, too much edgy for us to invest. And then we have a vehicle for that, which is that pilot and labs, where we can provide a, a grant to test the technology. Um, it's really technology driven. And then after that, uh, when it comes to scaling it and, and proving it later, we can now uh, bring our investments Um And we can do that with combining it with other uh, platforms, other technologies that you might need. So it's it's also an interesting angle of this investment that is sometimes people tend to to miss. It's not just about investment. It's also about seeing what new technology can can unlock. Sometimes an industry can get stuck just because there is a missing piece. And these kind of vehicle allow basically an industry to move much, much um, uh, forward. Yeah, I I think that there is also an interesting piece uh, for me, as a former entrepreneur, when I I joined. I realized, for example, Mexico being very much uh, on both Africa and also uh, in in Latin America. As an African, I feel like we look way, way too much into Europe, uh, onto US, sometime a little bit in Asia. We do not really have that connection with Latin America. But as an entrepreneur, I feel like we, we have so much similarities. We struggle. We have the same struggles, uh, geopolitical struggles, lack of infrastructure, and so on. So sometimes uh, when we see a model coming in Africa, we can also sometimes see similar models that have been deployed, uh, in, especially in Latin America, with maybe two or three years of um, feedback. So it's, it's an interesting positioning, I think, that we have, being on both sides, and to be able to see... What could be a challenge? What could be feedback early on to give to entrepreneurs? It's a super important piece when you're like discussing and, and interacting with entrepreneurs.
2: I just add one thing. I think our, our, our approach is that in a lot of these markets and a lot of the challenges that we're taking on or our entrepreneurs are taking on, capital may not just be enough. Exactly. Um, and so it, it's our job to find out what else is needed and go find that and, and make it readily available in an efficient way. Uh, uh, not to be prescriptive, but let the entrepreneur lead on what they need, be a good thought partner. Um, and so it's going to be their platform. It could be a really deep product expert. Uh, it could be partners like Ideal Collab, or others. And so it really is finding out whatever reason. And, you know, moving forward, it's blended capital. How do we find debt? If you're an early climate tech investor, how do we find grant so you can actually get your MVP off the ground without taking so much dilution? So it's a combination of resources that are really needed if we're really you know trying to tackle some of these toughest pressing
0: problems. Join us at the Africa Climate Tech and Investment Summit in February, part of Africa Tech Summit Nairobi, where African tech connects. Please visit africatechsummit.com forward slash Nairobi for more details and use discount code GREEN, that's G R W E N and receive a discount off delegate passes. Interesting, interesting.
1: And if we can dig a bit deeper there around KPIs, so Boko's got this new uh, innovation he's come to you for support uh even pre or post you giving me capital you've provided some technical insight and support through your consumer insights provision or insight that you've gleaned from latin america and you've really sort of put wind in my sails uh and 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 I'm feeling excited about the uh, the potential here um at this stage are you expecting me to have very specific KPIs around my business model that relate to climate Or are you imbuing that conversation with me about being sensitive to how attractive such KPIs are to that future capital? whether it's debt or what have you. How, how does that work? How do the KPIs come into it, especially around social impact for my business? I'm, I may only be interested in making money, uh, but actually in order to to make that money and to be attractive to the consumer or to the investor for, you know, in a couple of years time, I, I, I perhaps need to feed in some of these uh, criteria into my business case and into my um, my solution. How, how, how does that work? What, what KPIs are really important to mercy core ventures and how do you imbue if you like the entrepreneur and the company that you're supporting with consciousness of them
2: um i'll start i think one thing is we we rarely haven't have a case where we, we don't have alignment um because we're looking at business models really that are at the venn diagram of impact and scalability which means commercial viability. Um, and that's, you know, one of the first kind of screens that probably everyone on investment team does as they're looking at a deck or otherwise. So we're feeling that, and then you talk to the entrepreneur and maybe you feel, fine, Boko wants to make money, but the model that Boko has to make money is also and have great impact. So we're aligned, let's say. Um, and then uh, your question, I'd say the answer is more the latter, which is we're going to really be iterative and work with you. We recognize that early stage businesses may have several product pivots even. So to put KPIs quite early would be uh, inefficient for everyone, you know, for us to track, for you to work on or report on. And so it's a matter of really defining what that outcome target is um, and then tracking the differences. And then our platform team is amazing. They have you know, the ability to have really kind of lean ability to help you track that, uh, get the messaging around that, uh, which will help not only with the customer insights and understanding your marketing to sell the product, but also yes, later funders and, and, and really preparing for that next fundraising round.
1: Interesting, yeah. interesting.
3: Maybe just doubling down on that. Um, I think that it's, we rarely start from like KPIs. Like we don't come with oh, you need to reach this level for us to make an investment. Uh, even though uh, as a young entrepreneur, I thought this was the case. In reality, KPIs uh, are like more like an outcome. Of something being already successful, uh, though we have um, strong criteria about impact. If there is no impact, even if you you would probably make more money, um, we would probably not even uh, like go deeper or look at the case. Um, in in certain cases, um, it is really really difficult uh, to 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 advise startups at an early stage because things are really really everything is moving and then the, the startup would, can start from one angle and move to the, to, the, to the second one. I used to say that starting a company is almost like you have 100 paths, you see the destination from where you are but maybe only a few of those will get to the destination and maybe 99 of the paths have like dead, <laughs> deadly traps. So it's very difficult um, uh, as an entrepreneur sometimes to see some of those deadly traps even though they are maybe very tempting. So part of our role when we are screening is to identify or try to have a radar view and try to identify as a thought partner what direction could be the best. Uh, and then we try to, to 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 basically advise on that on, on top of just uh, investing. So, so as you see, it's not really as coming as what you need to do. It's really, really trying to give an external view, use our expertise. We have, as Hettel said, different skill set, different experiences, so we can bring all that together and try to be really your best third partner um, before we even make the investments and then making the investment really uh, more like a conclusion of all that thought process, all that work together. Uh, so when, when we invest, really, you, you you end up looking at us almost as a not a co-founder, almost really very close to the team by the time we make the investment, definitely.
1: Interesting. Isn't she? It almost feels to me as if you're, you see your role as shepherding me through a maze uh, and finding the most efficient path to that outcome. Um, uh, whereas I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, if, Facing that hustle and bustle of uh, daily trying to just manage the business and the operation and, and and scaling it, but you're actually on my shoulder or maybe slightly above the hedgerow and seeing actually where the most efficient path may be. Um, so that's great. That's great to hear. Rather than a sort of a. Um, yeah, yeah, holding on to a KPI and and only being interested in that one KPI and forcing the entrepreneur to 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 go down that that particular path. I, I guess on that note, um, again for 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 the listener, um, I'm going to ask a question around any specific businesses that you have provided capital to and provided technical assistance to that particularly excite you or that are very current, uh, which you can speak about and aren't confidential at this stage. Any any uh, companies that have incorporated technology for climate smart solutions in any of the fields you operate in, you know, whether it's agriculture and food or in relation to energy or, or what have you, um, uh, that particularly excite you in Senegal, in Kenya or beyond um, that you'd like to perhaps reference and mention. And, uh, the utility they provide their, their end user
3: yeah I, I can start with a few. Uh, obviously all the uh, investment that we've done uh, recently in this in this area are super exciting. Um, uh, running a business is still difficult though but uh, there is always a reason why you make an investment. Um, you always see something that maybe people from that have no internal view of the business wouldn't see. Or you have like a certain vision with uh, with the founder that housing should uh, could, could could basically turn. We have a few cases. I have a few cases in mind. Uh, one is on the energy sector, uh, which I <laughs> I'm a, I'm an electric engineer by by training. So when it comes to energy, I I get super excited. Um, uh, when we started looking at the case, uh, the interesting piece we did was try to see the parallel between energy and and connectivity, mobility. So I started my career as <laughs> in, in the telecom sector. So I, I, I've seen the whole uh, mobility, uh, well, mobile networks coming together in Africa. And I just felt like energy is probably um, moving the same direction. We say wireless. So if you look at all these smart batteries, electric vehicles, if you look at it really deeply, you can look at it as uh, energy being put in packets and being moved around just like mobile networks back then. Everyone felt like internet would be like by cable and the mobile network came and now you have access to internet anytime, anywhere. Essentially, we felt like that same move is coming to energy. So when you put a battery on, on place, on a bike or on a business, actually you've captured energy that you're putting there and then it can be available in rural areas, in sub urban areas, it can be available on nomadic, on the move, pretty much the same move. So we invested in a company that does uh, that has the same view, uh, obviously without getting too, too much into the details, but we feel like that is really, really an interesting uh, element, and you see how it has shaped Africa having mobile connectivity all over the place. It's really, and having using deep and new technology uh, to make that happen, uh, I feel like it's really uh, an interesting case. The second case is, I'm not going to name, I could name some companies, but I'm just indicating what like exciting to me is companies that are doing precision agriculture whether in uh, land agriculture or in aquaculture i feel like there is really this is really an interesting place where both production and climate are interwind so i think that initial players in agtech were just providing technology recommendation aggregation and the latest piece we are seeing is that um, to make climate more efficient, especially things like uh, agroforestry, um, you have today, it's a, it's a better positioning to start from productivity. As I said, we are trying to see things that are, have a productive outcome plus uh, a, a climate outcome. So companies that are providing um, sensors, uh, um, recommendations for farmers, they also have all the data around <clears throat> land use. They have the data about uh, yields. They have data about farmers. And if you want to uh, incentivize those farmers to, uh, to, to, to apply regenerative practices that we see in climate where brands are putting money into, well, those are the main players you need. So you don't have to change, you don't have to create new players. They already have the data, they already have the connectivity with the farmers, they're already on the ground. And I feel like companies that are able to navigate that double role, is I found them really, really fascinating. So there is one we invested here in Senegal recently, and I'm sure that we will be announcing more in the future. Uh, well, I'll leave it to Hetel because he has more experience, has funded more ag companies than me uh, to, add, add, uh, to right. bring more additional uh,
1: thought. I'm particularly interested in the latter uh, around uh, um, the precision agriculture. I'm I'm currently rewilding several hectares um, of land in rural western Kenya, so uh, I'm busy buying trees and seedlings and uh, getting on with the business of um, uh, creating a forest. So uh, interesting, but Hital, any any particular um, examples of businesses that you'd back that you'd like to mention?
2: Yeah, sure. And I, I'll, I'll stick with same, uh, uh, Tofen, I think, uh, sharing like business models. Uh, so one super exciting co- combining really income generation, uh, behavior change, and and, and climate smart agricultural practices with carbon markets. Um, and part of the reason they're able to do this is the technology for their M- MRV, like the monitoring really evaluation is just fantastic. Um, and, you know, we've looked and really, Tofen and, and Tim on our team really led this like deep dive into carbon and MRV and the technology piece and really trying to understand what, what would be a valid, scalable technology and that would really benefit uh, uh, the, the, the consumers that we're looking to, to support. Um, and so that one was super interesting because we're really combining deep tech and then, and then clear last mile, last two miles, behavior change plus climate-smart agriculture practices. Um, and, and really tapping carbon markets in what – I think both Tafet and I have some alignment on this – in a healthy way. Not necessarily that carbon markets are there to create another asset class for people to trade, but that carbon markets and, and, and any opportunities they give – is another way to have additional revenue that can be shared upstream to the farmers and the producers and the creators. Um, And I think, you know, we really look for business models that are designed as such uh, versus just trying to track uh, another asset class. Um, And so I think that's a big piece and I'll actually give us different one, which is in fintech because I think fintech and, and and I think a climate uh, is a tougher uh, Venn diagram or, 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 Things to articulate, but there's one I'm really interested in that we've done recently. Is really trying to map the data ecosystem around SMEs. Uh, you know, we have 40 million plus SMEs in Sub-Saharan Africa alone. Um, and while there are payments and there's some digitization and there's uses of mobile money, etc., we actually have it's quite fragmented. We don't know everything from KYC to their income, and so it's really hard to increase resilience when there's no really understanding of their day-to-day cash flows to offer everything from insurance, health insurance, uh, working capital, a range of services that one could offer. And so this one really excites me because I think in the end, a lot of these SMEs are in the food systems, right? And so they're part of the solution for climate and, and them, their businesses being healthy will be a underlying foundation layer for them to be able to healthy in terms of how they react, how they buy, how they how they're consumers in food systems and so i think it's really important uh for me it's been interesting and really trying to understand and luckily we the founder we've kind of uh uh, you know we invested in has a big data science background and 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 so that really made it easier for us to wrap our heads around uh this and, and really kind of get excited about it
1: interesting interesting a question that looks at the longer arc um, and, and really try and appreciate, and you might have distinctly different or the same opinion about Mercy Corps Ventures or a business like its role in, say, 5, 10, maybe even 50 years from now. And, and I ask the question to just get a sense of your worldview as to whether you envisage um, uh, the world failing to invest <laughs> in Africa's potential to support the world's journey to net zero or envisage africa playing a very successful role in enabling the world to avoid those sort of apocalyptic outcomes for the climate and environment um, what, what do you what, what do you envisage your business's role you know in 10 or 50 years from now um is it glass half full we're we're gonna get there or is it glass half empty there's gonna be a lot of work that needs to be done i'm more positive
3: to be honest maybe at some point in time let's talk given you are building a forest i'm one of those obsessed by centropic agroforestry so i think that just coming back to the way, the way nature operates. A change and disruption are the only things that are constant in nature. And adaptation is the only way out. Uh, if you can't adapt, you won't be here anymore. In centropic agriforestry, there is a trend which is uh, chop and drop. This is basically, when you chop trees, you realize there is a boost in in hormone growth, and then every other plant around just start growing. So I'm not saying that climate change is is good at all. It's really um, a dramatic situation, but it forces us uh, to adapt and as an African, you know, uh, as everyone knows, Africa has been through so many things historically and we've been able to adapt all the time, including the latest COVID. So I'm, I'm, I'm really positive. I think that the fact that we have a young population here, people are digitally native. Uh, they are ready to use technology. The only thing really that I, that is missing on the piece is access to funding. And this is why where DFIs, governments and all of us investors have a significant and interesting role to play. There is an important piece that I want to make here, which is climate is important, but climate is important only if the work done on the ground to adapt to climate is priced fairly. And uh, often in in these industries where people are ready to fund, uh, brands are ready to put a bit of money on the table, governments are ready to put a bit of money on the table. Most of the time we get to short term shortcut solutions like trading crab carbon credit with offset and stuff that generally do not really uh, uh, last long. So the future we see is a future where those who are doing the work on the ground, if you are asking a farmer to change the way they produce cocoa or, or, or coffee, you have to know precisely what, what is cost to them what is the cost of opportunity, what infrastructure they need to put in place. And that should be the baseline for pricing carbon credit or nature-based objectives, rather than something that is just for trading. And so we are trying to avoid solutions that are only here for trading, because that will will not last. We are trying to support and back solutions that are started from the ground up, including in my dream, um, carbon credit or nature-based objectives, which are multi, I would say, Uh, multi-payer, which is like basically uh, brands competing to fund uh, some of those or to claim some of those projects to make sure that the optimum price is paid to the farmers who are doing the groundwork. If we get that properly, fairly priced and equitable, I think the future can still be bright and we can recover most of this biodiversity and stuff that we lost. Obviously, I I can only hope that that's the only best way to to make the future happen. Back to you, (laughs) Hetel.
2: Yeah, no, this is a loaded question uh, at the end, and then could go another hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, I, I so I, I say I think we see similarly, maybe the whole team that you know disruption offers opportunity to really restructure existing systems. Think about the infrastructure becoming more resilient and inclusive. Now, that last word I think is where Tofen was really going into the details and really matters where what you say in five years, 10 years, 20 years, what will it be? I think inclusivity is going to define uh, that aspect of whose voice was heard. And so, yes, we, we will need some foreign capital, but I'm also quite uh, uh, adamant that we'll have to, you know, take the responsibility in the next five, seven years, of proving out that these models and, and these investments, not just in VC, but all across all capital vehicles actually work and bring in local capital and bring in local voices. And that shifts the power dynamic and goes to what Tofen's talking about, then there is voices on how the communities, how the systems, how the biodiversity, the food systems are going to be built versus driven by where some of the money may be coming from. So I think that will be, I'm positive also, but I think to me, that's the most inflection point that I'm tracking. And will the trend remain positive or will unfortunately there be more risk? So I think for me, disruption is a major opportunity. Um, And then these threats really that are posed, we have to make sure that the households, the businesses, the markets, the people are the ones that are a center of the solutions.
1: That's fascinating. Both of those answers are, are, are super useful and insightful. So conscious that we haven't got any more time to continue this. You're right, Hitel, we could have talked for another hour. Uh, let me just say thank you very much for taking your time to participate in this research. And the, the podcasts and videos that all surface from it in the run up to the Africa Tech Summit in Nairobi on the 14th and 15th of February. And looking forward to launching the Climate Tech and sustainable ability report that will surface off the back of these conversations I'm being having with entrepreneurs and investors and and, uh, peers of yours. So um, thank you very much for taking the time to join me and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and week.
2: Thanks so much, Boko. This is a fantastic conversation.
0: Thank you, Boko. Join us at the Africa Climate Tech and Investment Summit in February, part of Africa Tech Summit Nairobi, where African tech connects. Please visit africatechsummit.com forward slash Nairobi for more details and use discount code GREEN, that's G-R-E-E-N, and receive a discount off delegate passes. To hear our latest episodes, please subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast app. You can also visit africatechsummit.com for our upcoming events and news.